can't believe college is over. You have a job now? Or? We're not allowed to talk about jobs at the Bob Mitzvah Party. So you either don't have a job or you have a bad job? How much does a party starter get paid, I wonder? I have a bad job, yeah. Honey, I'm not just saying this because I'm your mother, but I feel like you're way ahead of the game. Who's that? That's a mom and her kid. Do you two dance? We're not feeling it right now. How about I bet you $300 I can get her on the dance floor? I will give you $1,000. She really likes you. I really like her. Tonight is the night that you and Lola dance your booties off. Oh, I don't know how to moonwalk. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. It's the second movie from 25-year-old friend of the show, Dallas Native. Cooper Rife. It's cha-cha, real smooth, coming to us courtesy of Apple TV Plus, aka Lasso Plus. Apple scooped this one up at Sundance, paid a hefty, hefty price for it. Congratulations to the whole team involved. And we're here to talk about it. So welcome in to another week of, of Mad About Movies. I'm Kent, uh, playing host this evening, joined by my cohorts, the uh, critic. And the uh, smart one, it's Richard and uh, uh, Brian. And also... I was going to say, um, did you get two new co-hosts? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> one uh, we haven't been together in a while. This is... Uh, I know. Uh, like, all three of us movies. haven't been here in a while. And this movie falls on Minions 2 week. Mm-hmm. You demanded to, to review it, but we... Richard I and did. Were like, no, we're not going to do it again this time, buddy. We, yeah. We've, it's going to have to be a solo episode. And that's with that's your purely punishment. Enough. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, exactly. I think the listener probably can guess how that episode would have gone. So here we are to talk about a movie that'll probably be in the conversation towards the end of the year. Maybe some awards talk, but it's a summer release and uh, it's available now via the Apple TV Plus if you want to check it out. I don't know, Richard, where you fell on the debut Shit House a couple week, couple of years ago. I know Brian enjoyed it. Maybe mm-hmm. I think he, he might have had it on his list. But Richard, I don't remember if it was on your list or at all, or, or what you thought of that movie coming out of it. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. I don't think it made any of my list uh, towards the end of the year, but it was it was definitely in my top probably twenty of that year. Um, yeah, that's a really unique you know it's fun when those that movie uh really kind of announced so well a new voice which is always an exciting thing to see especially when something is i wouldn't necessarily say he's like a pure uh comedic writer but there's some there's some joy to his work that's new and and unique and fun and uh that was a really exciting oh okay cool i'll probably be watching this guy for the next 15 20 years maybe and so that's 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 how i think of that movie more than anything than than of itself as a film but uh but yeah i like that movie a lot was very excited for this one yeah for a a film debut that cost him less than 20 grand yeah i would say he it was well worth the price uh, of the investment that he made there uh great 
great movie and uh it's certainly something unique and original mm-hmm. that uh that we hadn't seen in, in quite some time uh brian how how much were you anticipating this was this like the next movie he releases it's going to be um you know high on your list or are you just kind of waiting to see and then maybe you'll check it out if it's getting good buzz type of thing no i was i was very pumped for this um i i, I thought I mean, 2020 was obviously the most bummer of all movie years because we just didn't get to see very many. But even still, I kind of felt like uh, Shithouse probably would have been a top. I don't know where I ended up having it, if it was like in the top 10 or just outside. But regardless, I, I think it it, it would have held up um, in most years. It was very, mm-hmm. it was a great, like the definition of an indie movie kind of movie, you know, and it was, it, it, it had those kind of mumble core qualities to it. And I know that's part of how it got made is, is that Jay uh, Duplass saw it because uh, Cooper uh, like DM'd him and just said, Hey, check out this little thing I made with my iPhone and stuff. Um, so like, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Richard. I thought that that it was a movie where you're like, Oh, okay. A, this is a really good movie, but B, this guy's going to be making movies, right? Like we're we're very aware of this person moving forward. Um, so when this came out, this was Sundance, right? Or was it? Uh, I think it was it. This was uh, South by Southwest was South the first by. one. Okay, this one was Sundance. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it started hitting the festival circuit, and we saw saw his name on the on the billing, and um, and that he got Dakota Johnson for the movie, and Leslie Mann, and Brad Garrett, like really good supporting cast to go with it and stuff. And then Apple paid so much money for it. Yeah. I was very pumped for this. This was, uh, I, I, I put off watching it for a couple of weeks cause I knew we were going to do an episode on it and I wanted to watch it as close to episode time as possible. Um, but it was difficult. Like I wanted to watch it day one that it was available. So I think that's, yeah. you know, the highest kind of compliment I can give in this situation. Well, the VIPs were certainly hyped for it. And they've been talking about it in the Discord and the What I'm Watching channel where they just share where they're currently watching. I think that movie's popped up every single day since it came out from somebody and the conversation goes on from there. So it's one that, yeah, it's it's about dang time we talk about this one. And man, I was super intrigued by the premise of this. Uh, when it was announced he's doing a movie about a bar mitzvah DJ, <laughs> I could just see it. You know, um, with his style of humor, his style of filmmaking, and when it was announced that he was also writing and directing it, um, I was very, very happy about that because uh, what I'm worried about is him losing his voice, uh, you know, and I really hope that he continues to write and direct his own stuff and kind of stays within this genre for a little bit. Uh, kind of in a way, Linklater has been able to kind of stay in his his zone, but also kind of go outside of it. So I'm interested to see what other types of projects he's going to do. I know he's got like a mob noir movie next, I think, uh, with David Harbour. It's, it's, it's like a, a, it's about a, a businessman in Connecticut that like buys a hockey team and has his kid run it, but uh-huh. then like gets, then gets caught up in a bunch of racketeering stuff. So I think there's yep. mafia elements to it, but I don't think it's like a full mafia film like you would think. I'm kind of with you, Richard. I, I I see him much more as a comedic voice than maybe a dramatic voice or, you know, someone making super interesting indie movies. I think he's got like a Judd Apatow, Richard Linklater thing going on. Yeah. yeah. Where he has his own unique style of humor. 
that he is excellent at getting across on screen. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if that's because he casts himself in his movies. And so he knows how to direct his own humor and how to cut it together to make it, to make it funny. And it but, feels of the moment. And now, and I don't mean of the moment in any sort of derogatory sense, but like, mm-hmm. that's a thing where I'm always, if I were to give advice to any kind of like actors, I would always say, Hey, work like the least amount as possible. Cause you know, you don't want people to be sick of you. You want to like space things out. And if you're in this situation where people are offering things to you, you know, be smart about taking. But when you're working, especially as a comedic writer and filmmaker, it's almost like when you have it, make as much stuff as you can. Because yeah. like at some point after seven years, not not saying he's full on like a comedian, a film comedian like Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey or something. It's not right. that. But but even Apatow and those people, like mm-hmm. you, when you really sound like a new funny voice, especially as a young person for a new young audience – just make st- make stuff. Make something every year because you're going to turn around mm. one day and you're going to be 30 and you're not going to have that anymore. And you might still have a great career doing different things. Maybe it's more dramatic. Maybe, you know, things can change. But like really being like a, a film comedian, comedic taste uh, is, is such a like quick t- period of time. So I, I'm glad to see he's like just churning stuff out now because like I hope he fills the next six years with work because, you, you know, that's when you have your chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how long it took him to to write this one. It couldn't have been that long. I remember hearing rumblings about that uh, around when we were talking about his first movie, and then I think they made the announcement around January or February of the next year that uh, that that was officially going to happen, and they were shooting during the pandemic and and all that. So it all came together pretty quickly. It seems like he's he's got a process down where he can make these for super cheap and sell them to the the highest bidder essentially you know i mean this had to have cost less than 10 million dollars probably 5 million and they sold it for what 50 million or something to to apple so i think everybody was happy at, at the end of the day i i just want him to stay keep doing movies like this because i think he makes them he makes them really well but i do think he has a lot of potential as a director uh if he you know, if he's not writing this next movie and he's only directing it, that's I think that's cool because I think he does have a good eye for, uh, you know, camera placement, blocking, mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's not too flashy for me or, or anything like yeah, that. No, not at which all. Which you yeah. kind of sometimes see from these indie indie uh, filmmakers that that's their way to stand out is kind of how it's cut together. So I, I hope that his next project has some humor in it because what I liked the most about this one was the humor. But there's so much heart to it as well. Mm-hmm. Brian, uh, let's mm-hmm. start with general thoughts. Give us your your general non-spoilery thoughts on uh, on Cha-Cha. I really was just struck by how um, authentic this felt. And I think that he's pretty unassuming as a, as a writer and director. And certainly as a star, he just is kind of... I don't know if, if this felt like a throwback to like the mid-10s kind of indie movie which um you know there there was there's a lot of good ones and 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 probably a lot of of meh ones as well but um i i really i appreciated that but i i just felt like it was so real to the character and um to what this person is going through i i i enjoyed the the premise i think it's just such a simple okay here's the guy it's one sentence two sentences tops you know and you kind of know that character and 
and who this person is. And that is such a, that is such a strange period of life. Um, I think yeah. in so many ways, like being 22, 24, you know, your early twenties is like, I think for a lot of people is, is even more like difficult and uncertain than you, than your like late teens. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people have their life together at 18 more than they do at 22. You get out of college and you're just like, well, I don't yeah, know what but to you do think, now. you and, think you don't have your life together when you're 18 until I mean, you turn 22. Totally. And then you're no, like, wow, look, I thought look, I didn't have it together yeah, then. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I was a pretty mature 17, 18 year old and was very secure in who I was going to be and what I was going to do and all this kind of stuff. And then, um, by the time I got out of college and had spent so much money, um, to get a degree, so much money that I did not have. And then come out of it just being like, well, now what the crap do I do? I don't have, you know, I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't know that I want to do the thing that I went to school to do. And I, all the, you know, it, it's, that just felt like such a prescient and true kind of, kind of thing. Then it just like runs through the whole movie. It's just like him just trying to kind of figure it out and how many people do you have you known at this age that were that way Richard or for me it's like you know I work with kids and have for the last like 15 years so like a lot of my kids are this age now and they are in the same boat of just like I don't really totally know what I'm going to do with my life and that's I think as a society we have like way more grace for 18 or 19 year olds that don't know what they're going to do and by the time you're 22 24 it's like hey man got to figure this stuff out and that's a lot of pressure and it's weird and anyway i i i thought i really thought that this was um i thought that his his take on this was felt very very true and real to life and um i thought he was very good in the role and and I, so man i i really dug this and i appreciated too the the kind of um i guess the extra links that that he goes to in the representation of uh, and the character of lola and the and the way that 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 her autism is played on screen in a way that is also very, I think, authentic and true and not gimmicky and not not um, good doctor. Good doctor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and so not anyways, as good I, as I thought all these all the parts were really though. great. And, and I really appreciated what um, what the movie was was about, even in its very simple, small premise. Yeah, yeah Richard. No, absolutely. I think I totally concur, Brian. It's that thing of like college can really prepare you for, you know, a certain type of career, especially the more specialized degrees and things like that. But then it can also just kick for a lot of people can also just kick the can a bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and so you end up having that. What am I going to do with my life? You know, crisis at 23 as opposed to 18. It's the same thing, except then a lot of times, too, you are facing down mountains of debt. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think that, that I agree. And it's that thing you, you see it all the time. There's, we have this sort of infrastructure for it. Not everyone falls into it, but we have it for, you know, three years old up through 22. And then it's kind of every man for himself in a lot, in a lot of ways. And so, uh, you know, kind of, that's not really what this movie's about, but capturing that angst of that moment as sort of a, um, plot point or setting piece really mm-hmm. works. It, it kind of creates, you know, you, and you get to be our age in your thirties or Brian's case, early fifties. Mm-hmm. And you, 
you of course look back on it and go, oh, you'll be, you'll be fine. It's going to be fine. You figure it out. But I think there's a real tension in that age where you go, but what if I'm not, you know, how do I do this? No one's helping me or not that you even help, but I don't even know what the next step is. Um, that, that kind of creates a great, uh, you know, urgency in a character or a set of characters. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think something this movie hits on pretty accurately is when you're 22 and you're just out of school or you're expected to have a career and you get that question from a mom you grew up around and they're like, so what are you up to now? And, and there's like that weird thing of, oh, I am working at the mall or, you know, I'm doing a part-time job until I find something that's that weird kind of, oh, that's okay. You know, <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. weird conversation yeah, cool. that, that happens or I'm sure you'll find something, you know, that, that just a, awkward tension that can happen when college doesn't prepare you for how things actually unfold. And I loved his self-deprecating humor Mm -hmm. in his first film because I feel like so many college movies are about like, man, college is awesome. And this is the awesome time you're going to have. And that was one of the first films that was really honest about going to college and maybe you don't fit in and and you can't find friends and you can't find a girlfriend. And a lot of people have that experience. And I was really impressed with Cooper's ability to navigate this narrative. And because honestly, this is a film that in the first 10 minutes, we meet the characters of, of Andrew and Domino. We meet her daughter, Lilla and, in the first 10 minutes, he's won her over, he's won Domino over, and he's won the, the daughter over, and he's f- found his crush, right? Like, that's what I expected how the third act to start in this movie. is like, okay, he finally wins them over, and and they're going to have to decide if they want to be together. And so, after the first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, how how is this going to play out for two hours, right? And I love the additional characters that he had in the movie. I thought the family characters were great. Uh, Leslie Mann and Brad Garrett were awesome. I think Leslie Mann needs to be in every movie, period. You know, it's probably what Cooper thinks too. It's like the first person I would want for that type of role would be her. And Brad Garrett certainly has his place too. And the younger brother character. And I know Dakota Johnson is is the headline actress of this. And it's primarily the plot. But I think the the, the plot with his his brother David and him really hammers this thing home and makes it and makes it what it is without getting into spoilers uh, towards the end. But I think without that, uh, it, it would have struggled to hold my attention just from the romantic comedy aspect of things. But I think when you add that family love, it really makes this thing uh, special to me. Brian, any thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Leslie Mann's great, and the kid David, uh, whose the actor's name is, is Evan Asante. Asante. Yeah, he was great too. I mean, I and I mean, I think it's easy to make fun of Brad Garrett in some ways, but that guy is pretty awesome most of the time. I love Brad correctly. Garrett. Yeah. Um, I think it's just partly it's like I think for this generation, it's so easy to make fun of everybody loves Raymond, and that's fine. Like it's you know we make fun of things from the past which you know that yeah, is the past really but yeah, um brad garrett's great and and i think maybe what makes the the for me at least what made the family dynamic work so well is that 
uh, he's kind of a douche to all of them at one yeah. point or another um, through the course of the movie. And that's like real life. I mean, that's a family, you know, it's like you're, you're, there's, hopefully you're not always a jerk to your family and, and you're never always the best to your family. And that's just the way that, that it is. So I, I liked those little indignities that he, he throws at his, his mom and at his stepdad and then eventually at his brother. And then the, the little redemptions that he accomplishes afterward, you know? And, and I, I don't know that just, I was like, yeah, that's that's real, man. That's a he has to that's win real. them all that's over, basically. Yeah. He has to win them all over, but also they don't like bail out on him because he was a douche. You know, it's 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 that goes both ways. It's like the number of times that you know it, that that my parents put up with me just kind of being a butthole, you know, mm-hmm. and and it wasn't like the end of the world, but definitely it, I <laughs> within their right to just be like, hey, dummy, shut up, you know, stop acting like this. Um, and, and I'm sure that I'll have that same experience with Coop at some point. And anyway, I, I, I just think that that was a, it it just goes to the kind of, um, I don't know if it's subtle, but the, 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 just the small ways that the movie moves around. Like there's not, there's not a huge character arc for any of these people, but Cause it's not like by the end of the movie, it's like, well, he's figured it all out. You know what I mean? It's, it's, he's cool. He's gotten some stuff together, but I don't think you're supposed to take from, from the end of the movie that now everything is locked in and he's good to go. He's still only 22 or 23 years old, but having these little movements, um, of growth between him and his family, I think re- honestly, in some ways that I think that that's more the heart of the movie than the, the, the would be romance that he has yeah. with, with Domino and, and the, the development of the, the arc that, that goes along with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought the entire movie was going to be and a great portion of it is, is Domino and her daughter and their family and his relationship with her. But I think the heart of the movie is in his family and those relationships uh, that are built and mended along the way. Uh, I thought the the dad um, Joseph Ryo Castillo was was great too in this. Let's talk about the Domino storyline first off. Where do you guys fall on Dakota Johnson as an actress? I don't know if we talked a I'd lot of Dakota. Go. I didn't review the Fifty Shades trilogy sadly yet. Yeah, well, we haven't yeah. talked well, a lot. Of, that's going to be our you know, VIP. Like the series we do next <laughs> year. We'll do, yeah, we'll do all those um, hour <laughs> by hour. Right. Yeah, it'll be like Fifty Shades of Grey, hour one. That'll be March, you know, and then go for it. Okay, I'd probably, if I were to rank them, I would go Fanning, South, Johnson, North, if I were to rank my Dakotas. What about you guys? Yeah, North is at the bottom. Yeah. I agree, I agree with that. I would go Fanning, Fanning North, uh, Dakota Prescott. Oh, that's strong. Good and, point. Uh, Dakota Prescott in there too. Yeah, that's good. So does Johnson even make your top four Dakotas? Can if you're throwing <laughs> Dak in there? No. Okay. Yeah, you know it's funny. She's someone that like uh, seemed very f- flash in the pan ten years ago, and 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 then somehow is still with us, and and is. Deservedly so. She's done a lot of really good work over the last six, seven years. 
you know, those Fifty Shades movies kind of got her foot in the door, and then she's, I think, pretty made pretty good on everything since. So, um, and and honestly, same with Dornan. You know, those I don't think either of them enjoyed making those, but I think they were probably smart to do. So yeah, she 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 uh, grows in my estimation with everything she does. Um, and this, she's really good in this. So she continues to be uh, impressive to me as the the more and more work she does. I think she's super cute. I I just haven't found her super charismatic on screen. Um, what are your thoughts, Brian? Yeah, I I have come around. I I was not overly um, enthused about her her presence on screen early, and she's done a lot of. She's done a lot of like character work over over these last few years with this, with like uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, um, even the uh, oh, what's Fifty the one Shades with Freed? Creepy, yeah, <laughs> what's the one with creepy Chris oh, Hemsworth? Uh, bad Times El Royale. Yeah, yeah, Bad Times at the El Royale and um, Lost Daughter last year, um, where she has because I kind of agree with you. I don't think that she has great oh she was in our friend too which was just a really gutting performance she was really good in that too so like i'm not sure that she has like overwhelming stage presence and charisma but but she is she's very good in in this sort of quieter roles i think and that's that's the stuff that i've I've kind of appreciated her doing over the last few years she's very good at it so I, i thought she was great in this i i thought she was the I also I I think she had the right vibe and appearance and and presence um for this role too. I yeah. think she was kind of perfect for for playing. Yeah, I think this, this role. is a, she, is, is per, like written for her yeah, basically. Yeah. You, you can totally understand how especially how a 22-year-old would uh gravitate towards her and and be attracted to her. Um but also be a little bit nervous around her or a lot nervous around her, you know? Um, I yeah. Think that, so I thought it was, I thought it was great casting. I thought she, and I thought she was very, very good in it. Interested to see she didn't get a writing credit on this because mm-hmm. I, from what, how Cooper's been talking about it, it was kind of her and, and him most of the time kind of fleshing this out. So she took a producer credit and starred in the movie and gave, gave Coop all the, uh, all the other credits there. That's pretty. It's mm. pretty awesome. I think she she wanted to be in, in the coop coop business after seeing his first film, which I don't. I don't blame her. She's gonna be in uh, Madame Web, which is a, I guess a a, um, a Lady Spider Man type thing. So I guess she's starring, and she's gonna be a new Spider Man character mm-hmm. with uh, Sydney Sweeney and uh, Emma Roberts. Uh, it also uh, involved in that. Here's here's one for you. How about this? Cooper Rife is Peter Parker. Yeah, I mean he has he has kind of that. Um, he's sort of a cross in some ways between Tom Holland and uh, Andrew Garfield a mm-hmm. little bit. Like he's yeah, I could see that. He's more grown up than Tom Holland, but he's maybe not quite as sophisticated as. Be interesting uh, what his his move is though. Like, it, does he want mm-hmm. to go down that road of of something that he just yeah, acts? That's in what I mean. That has I'm a sure, really like, wide appeal. The or amount of he calls keep... he's gonna get after oh, this. Oh yeah, this is gonna be insane. Sure. No, absolutely. And he, you know, I would. Yeah. You think he? I mean, he you think he'd be better off as an actor or director? 
I think he's I motion choose I like him or writer. I like him more as writer director. I'm I'm f i am like him on screen quite a bit. I think he's very good in this and, and same with with shit house, but I, I think I'm more interested in what he's going to do as a writer director than I am as actor. If I mean I can't I'm not gonna tell him not to not to take the money if somebody <laughs> comes calling, but I I would if he asked me what what I thought he should do, I would say keep keep focusing on the writing and the directing because I think that's yeah. I think that's where his real. I think that's where, obviously that's where his real voice is, and I, I think that's where his the best of his talent lies. I think it wouldn't surprise me if he got a screenplay nomination out of this. I think it's a great original screenplay. Mm-hmm. I really do. Well, um, when they only make six of those a year, all you got to do is get the top five. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, original helps. screenplays are. <laughs> Don't happen much anymore. They'll yeah. they'll make you. They'll find ways to make you make it adapted if there's yeah. any connection at all to anything else. So really cool there. I want to talk a little bit about the end. So spoilers, I guess, coming up for this if you haven't seen it. Spoilers coming up for Cha Cha Real Smooth. Where this movie really won me over is the end, where Andrew and Domino don't get together. Mm-hmm. And I just love that about this. That they might have taken it up a full, I don't know, letter grade, whatever level, in my opinion, because it was so unexpected. And you expect this thing. Oh, she's going to realize that, that she loves him, and they're going to, you know, ride off into the sunset with his daughter. But again, which I think is Cooper's great at. It's not how life works all the time. You know, mm-hmm. you don't always get what you want in life. Sometimes the things that make you grow the most are the things that don't work out. And it gives you a whole new perspective on something and you're able to figure yourself out because of something that happened to you mm-hmm. that didn't work out. And so I just love that the ending of that, how um, this thing doesn't wrap up in a nice little bow. I think too that I really enjoyed the the presentation of of Joseph, the, the fiance, because I... Mm-hmm. I I felt like Same. it was a little bit of like unreliable narrator coming to the forefront because I mean he has that one scene where he's kind of a jerk to to Andrew but it's also he's had too much to drink and and it is what it is but but as it goes you kind of see that this kid is kind of romanticized this and changed it into what he he kind of wants it to be or what he wants to see there and in reality, this guy's probably a pretty good dude, you know, and then he's he has seen him as a different person because if he is that different person, then that behooves him. It behooves the 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 narrator of it. So I, I thought that was great. And you get that great line at the end when he's when he's moved, when he's you know running away from the house and getting in his car and the guy comes to his, his window and he just says, I'm sorry. I'm just a dumb. I'm sorry. Kid. I'm just a kid. And he's like, "Hey, yeah. it's and the cool, guy man. Says, I know. It's cool. I get yeah. it. It's okay." You know, yeah, I <laughs> love that. Like, yeah, that was such a. I mean, that line. He thought he's just gonna punch through the window or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. And instead, this person is a mature adult and just says, mm-hmm. "Yeah, that's fine, dude. I get it. Like, this is, this is. I'm in love with. I'm in love with her too. Well, you know, you know? like it's, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. But that line, and there was a line earlier in the movie where he says, when he's talking to Leslie Mann, and he says something like. Um, she says something about growing up and he says, it's very overwhelming. I just don't know how much I love. I just don't know how much I have left. And I was like, Ooh, dang. Like that's, that's like a dagger. That's a really great, great line. So, um, those little moments I think really stood out as like kind of understanding how to make this more than just kind of, I think this is a step above like the standard, standard fare of, you know, uh, 
mid to early to mid twenties white guy grows up. You know, I think it was a little bit ahead of of what we maybe would usually expect in this situation. Yeah. Anything else you guys got on this before we hit grades? No, it really worked for me. It's a cool, it's a really great to Brian's point kind of moment in time movie. It's mm, a unique yeah. moment in time, not to just this character, obviously, but to all of us, it's very relatable of being that. And then, yeah, it has this really optimistic ending, but not a happy ending. by like, you know, like to your point, Kent, like, uh, in, it's not conventionally a happy ending with the characters ending up together, but it's very, uh, it's very optimistic and hopeful and, and lovely. Great soundtrack on this too. SD man, a lot of great needle drops. SD high am doing the score too. There are some great moments there. I would love to get this, uh, this record. So he's two for two. Cooper is with with picking great songs for his movies. So I'm going to grade this one out. I liked it slightly less than his first film. Which I believe I gave an A, so I'm going to go A minus. What about you, Brian? Yeah, it's an A for me. Um, maybe even an A, A and a half. I don't think it's not quite A plus for me, but but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great and it had um, a lot of really, for as simple and and sort of almost twee in a way as as the whole movie is. It had a lot of little pieces that I think were advanced uh, and and higher level than um than what you might expect from 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 this kind of movie and from from somebody who's made two films at this point so um yeah i really enjoyed it a a for me what about you rb i'm gonna go a minus as well a minus as well i enjoyed it with him and david lowry man dallas is the new hollywood absolutely let's go yeah let's go and chuck norris is still out there (laughs) so interesting you say that richard because let's move on so weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. I'm not joking. <laughs> My weekly recommend is Walker Texas Ranger. <laughs> because like I went back and watched Tron for a throwback for our our VIPs, which we're talking 1982's Tron. Go back and it got me de- thinking like about bad 80s action. And I immediately thought of Chuck Norris. I was like, man, I really need to go back and watch some Walker. And so I watched probably three or four episodes. Did you watch the one where he, where he told the kid he had AIDS? Yeah. That's the no, yeah, I'm not there yet. AIDS. No, I, I'm eagerly anticipating. Walker told me I had But, AIDS. man, I, I had not realized <laughs> it's all shot in, like, downtown Fort Worth. And yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. like, in Las Colinas, I mean, right, right in my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could spot every building and stuff. It is is really funny to go back. I mean, I thought what a legacy. King, I thought King of the Hill was the most hammed up version of DFW. This, I mean, Walker. This is I'm like, <laughs> it is so ridiculous. Um, yeah, all, all the shots in it are like Dutch angle, like trying to be artsy. It's like, why are you doing this? Is Walker yeah, Texas Ranger? This isn't. This is not the Cannes Film Festival. I don't know what's going on here. So it's it's um a oh man what a nostalgia trip to to go back and watch some episodes and it it made me think of the Conan bit where he had the Walker yeah. lever that he could just pull and play a clip from Walker at any moment great during his show it was great a great yeah. a great Have you seen bit the too. movie the yeah. trial by mm-hmm. fire 
No, I haven't. Wild, but yeah. Have you seen the Brian? It's, it's on a cliffhanger. And they just don't ever make another one, which is the <laughs> yeah. best part about the yeah. movie. You never get to know what happens. <laughs> have you seen the new no, Walker show called Walker? One. No, I've not seen it. No. Hmm. Well, that's my recommend: Walker, Texas Ranger. Nice. Some greatness. What about you, Brian? I'm also going a little nostalgic. Uh, I I got to go to a concert last week. First concert I've been to since COVID. Um, there's this band that I just loved so much um, from around here when I was in high school and like early college called Flicker Stick. And they were sort of, uh, they sort of broke out. I mean, I don't think they broke out to the level of like Bowling for Soup, but there was a, there was a point at which, especially during that era of, of the record industry, um, there was a point where they looked like, oh, this might be like the next big band from here and stuff. Um, and I'd seen them so many times when I was in high school and stuff. Anyway, they broke up in like the, the mid to early 2000s. And, uh, and my buddy Tobin is a huge fan as well. And uh, they, they put out the record again last year and I uh, got a copy of it. And then we got to, uh, they did a, a two night kind of reunion show. So it was really cool to be back. They, they put on a great show, did, I mean, you know, this is a band that was only together for two albums. So they played every song they have basically. Um, cause it just, there's not a lot in the back catalog or whatever, but it was a great time. And I have listened to this album so many times over, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last couple of weeks. It's called Welcoming Home the Astronauts. It's finally on Spotify. It hadn't been on any streaming service until, um, like late last year and, uh, has some of my favorite. I mean, I think that they're technically like kind of pop punk, but I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like they fit with most of the pop punk bands from that era. It's, it's a little bit, a little more like, uh, yeah, standard rock music than pop punk. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's closer to like indie rock than it is to pop punk, but I don't know. I'm trying to differentiate between all those things. It's probably stupid. Anyway, I really love this album. I listened to it a bunch, obviously, when I was a kid. And then I kind of, set it aside and just it moved on for a very long time. And I've been listening to it a ton over the last couple of weeks and I love it. So uh, check them out on Spotify. It's flicker stick welcoming home the astronauts. Super you, throwback to like 10 people that care about this maybe, but, uh, but how much know. weight had the band gained? It wasn't terrible. It wasn't. Like <laughs> it's always, you see pursuit. a band get if back together after 10 years. You're like, Oh yeah. man, That's, that didn't look like <laughs> yeah. them. But uh, this the lead singer Brandon did he still he have out, his like emo hair? He did, yes. Oh wow! He, he came out in like um very emo uh tight shirt and and jeans and whatnot, but also with like coat and tie. And within about four songs, he had shed the coat mm-hmm. and tie. It was like I'm I'm very hot. Clearly, the guitarist clearly had gained um a little bit of weight. But other than that, it was it was it was pretty. It was pretty good. But it was a great show. It was And one of those rare ones where you're like, especially Dallas crowds are terrible. And it was one of those few where you're like, everyone is here. We are all between the ages of like 36 and 45. We're all here very specifically. You know, it's not just, oh, I heard this band on the radio one time. It was a really good crowd. That doesn't happen a lot in Dallas. Um, and the show was a blast. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, if you're, if you're into like that early 2000s indie rock kind of sound at all, I, I think it's, I think it's an album that really holds up very well. Did they say if they're going to make a new record? They are. Yeah, they did. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They did a, a section of the, uh, a section of the concert was the original lineup with the original drummer. And then they moved to, uh, 
their next drummer, their second drummer, um, for some of the show. And then they had like a flicker stick 3.0 version where it was, it's Brandon Lee, the lead singer, the guy, one of the guys who plays guitar, the drummer from the second version. And then they had some new people that had been, that had been added in. And I'll be honest, they sounded great. They sounded really tight and energetic and stuff. Um, you could tell with the original lineup that some of them probably had not been playing a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, up until the rehearsals for this thing, it wasn't quite as tight, Um, but they sounded really good. So I'm looking forward to whatever they're going to, they're going to do with the, this new album eventually. Awesome. I, uh, you know, who produced that record. The the first one, uh, Rick Beato. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 uh, YouTube dude. Who's, who's great. Uh, producer, by the way. Uh, all right, Richard, what you got? Yeah, I also have a, a reunion of sorts uh, from when I was in middle school and in high school. People that meant a lot to me, and uh, their return brought me a great amount of joy. And uh, that is Beavis and Butthead. Oh, good. <laughs> I hope you. I hoped you would uh, do the universe. Yeah, man, this Fantastic. is a '90s edition of of Weekly. Fantastic. Just Send the them to the same, space. Same, same joke, basically, as the first movie. <laughs> they just think they're gonna get to score with a girl, so they end up going to space. It's fantastic. <laughs> the, and, the, uh, what's so funny about it, Richard, is like, I mean, obviously Beavis and Butthead are great, but it's the <laughs> adults around them <laughs> yeah, that are so good, <laughs> you know, that they play off of. They have to play off normal society, basically. And the inability for the adults to recognize that these are two idiots is so good too. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, great, there's a great joke where. They go through the <laughs> they go through a wormhole and end up in current times after the movie starts and and regular Beavis and Butthead ninety times they end up in current times through a wormhole and there's they end up in Galveston there's this big billboard like someone's running for pre- uh, governor twenty twenty two and Butthead's like uh, look at the look at that number and Beavis is like yeah two oh two two he goes no that one it pans up and it's like sixty ninth annual <laughs> yeah it's like a perfect sixty nine joke. <laughs> out of nowhere just for no reason <laughs> that they think is so funny and yeah i'm a child but it was it's you know classic that's you know me i'm pretty cre- i'm i i'm not as big of a mike judge guy as you guys but i love you about it so got got like five laughs out of me in the hour and 30 minutes so it was yeah great. yeah there's several several laugh out loud moments man i i went back and watched do america before this and i'd forgotten about some of the moments in that too it's really Bruce funny. Willis and D- Demi Moore are yeah. like in it. <laughs> it's got Robert Stack from Rescue 911. It's like heavily involved. Uh, it's, it's greatness too. All right, there it is. There's Cha Cha Real Smooth and some weekly recommends for you. We're also talking Tron 1982 in the VIP. So become a VIP and you'll get that this week as well as this episode. It's madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And uh, we'll see you over there at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Silence and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 